Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Our Lady is known by many different titles. She is reverenced by people of many different nationalities under titles specific to their culture. Sometimes these are apparitions, other times these are devotional titles. And so the Vietnamese people have a great devotion to Our Lady of Lavang or Lavang. Uh, I'm sure I'll get corrected on how to pronounce that here in a few moments. And today I'm speaking uh, with Peter Lee, uh, who is the author of a new book from Ave Maria Press called My Life of Grace, How I Found Hope and Purpose in Suffering. And on the cover of the book is a beautiful image of Our Lady of Lavang. And I'm very interested to hear more of his story. And I came across it because of Heidi Hess Saxon, who is one of the editors over at Ave Maria Press. She uh, had been sharing about how she found Peter and then how she convinced him to write a book. And now how that book is being brought to completion now. And uh, you can read it in your own devotional life to learn about the hope and purpose of suffering with his life of grace. So thanks so much, Peter, for joining me today. Thank you, Father Edward, for welcoming me. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your backstory. Of course, if you're writing about the hope and purpose in suffering, well, it means you must have suffered. So what's the backstory there with the suffering you've experienced? Because it was my understanding from Heidi that maybe now you're experiencing some very severe complications of health issues and, and whatnot. And that actually prevented you from going to this pilgrimage to Carthage, Missouri. Uh, but what, what is your, you know, your health history, I guess, or your suffering that brought you to the point to write and reflect about it in this book? Uh, yes, so back in 2018, uh, I have a severe back pain, and uh, the oncologist or the doctor back then informed me I have uh, six months to live. And so basically, I for the last five years, as of today, I am still suffering a terminal four, of, uh, yeah, of, of a terminal cancer. It's a thyroid cancer, but it's spread into my bones. And uh, I have been traveling around the country at five different cancer centers uh, for treatment. So um, I have two surgeries, a month-long radiation. Um, these three treatments at MD Anderson, and I live in North Carolina. And so most of the time I go there, it's uh, by myself because my wife still has to take care of two of our young children here in North Carolina. And so currently, for the last three months, I am on chemotherapy. And uh, with the chemotherapy, of course, uh, the side effect is just up and down and uh, the, the blister. So now I have a severe blister on my feet and on my hand. And because the tumor, where they remove the tumors on my back, so it's oftentimes it just giving me a, a a severe pain. Uh, that pain medicine doesn't do any anything. <laughs> um, and then um, on top of that, I, the side effect, it caused uh, my diarrhea and bleeding. And so the reason I mention all of this uh, lately because of these uh, suffering that I am going through, I meditate on the five wounds of Jesus. So the hands, feet, 
and the pews on the side. And on top of that, I am uh, 53 years old now. And at one years old, I have polio. So basically, my leg is, uh, I am uh, a disabled person. Uh, polio, I have to walk with crutches and braces. And um, at 10 years old, I escaped Vietnam. And I spent two years in refugee camp uh, without my parents. And uh, I lived in three refugee camps, two countries, Thailand and Philippines. And then um, I, I transferred to uh, GAP. Settle in, in, in Texas. And not until 14 years later, I reunited with my whole family. So for the last 52 years, I guess, uh, I am pain and suffering with polio, uh, childhood disability. And then for the last five years with cancer. And so those are some of my background and, and I am still alive. And so I adopt a new name. Grace man. <laughs> so basically, that's that's the backdrop of the book. Okay, wow. And to think that you're separated from your family for uh, a lot of time, for a significant amount of time, that uh, that also was a suffering. So not only have you had physical suffering, but you've also had kind of familial suffering in that sense of not being with them and so forth. So so tell me again, you mentioned this. How long ago was the terminal cancer diagnosis? Five years ago. Five years ago. And now here you are five years later doing the treatment, all this stuff. So the treatment I'm taking is meant to extend your life, obviously. Like if you took no treatment, you would have succumbed to it. But because you are doing the treatment, then the terminal cancer kind of, even though it's still terminal, it's kind of being at bay a little bit. Would that be a good medical understanding of that? That's correct. Yes, sir. But do you think, too, obviously, you're a person of faith. So I'm willing to bet you've had a lot of people praying for you. You've probably gone on pilgrimages. Some people in your condition, they go all the way to Lourdes, France, even, and they go into the baths there in Lourdes. I'm not sure if that's something you've done. But, but you know, there's always this kind of prayer and intercessory prayer. And, and we know. So if you call yourself grace men, well, you know the graces that God gives. So, so I, I think, sure, the, the chemo, the radiation, that's sustaining, sure. But I think, too, the grace of God is also helping you here uh, and prolonging your life. Definitely. <clears throat> Originally, uh, the title of the book is uh, To Be Sick for the Lord. And uh, the word to be sick is taken out from St. Bernadette. And I have a great, uh, of all the places, I've been to Lourdes uh, for uh, three times already. And in fact, August 26th, this upcoming <laughs> Um, I am going to Lourdes my fourth time, and but this time it will be uh, just by myself. Uh, actually, the cancer now, after three years, the, the chemo seems the body get used to it, so it doesn't do much, like keep the cancer at bay, but it spread onto my liver. And so on um, this upcoming September, I will have a... Um, uh, a, a radiation, but in, in a form of a treat, uh, in a form of a surgery, sort of. So basically, they're gonna stick a needle um, into the tumor on my liver, and then they just freeze it. 
So in order to do that, they give me a, two, a, a month off. Uh, they, they call it drugs holiday, so meaning no treatment. And because of that, I say, well, I might as well <laughs> go to Our Lady and uh, spend some time quiet and praying for her. But yes, for the last five years, I have a countless moment um, of grace, uh, the power of grace, the power of prayer. I do have a lot of people uh, from all over the world to pray for me. Uh, the reason I say all over the world, because uh, it's just the nature of my my work, my ministry, my wife and I, my wife is a medical doctor and we have a St. Joseph America, a nonprofit clinic where we take care of the poor uh, here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so for that reason, uh, when they discover I have cancer and so the word spread out that a lot of people pray and through my reflections um, that I received uh, grace. And so my, my reflection even though it's about my suffering, but at the end of the day or at the end of the writing, it's always point back to the power of grace that um, I use my my suffering as a way, again, to find hope and purpose. And not only that, uh, through a redemptive uh, suffering um, that I come to discover that my suffering is, is, is a gift. It's more than just a gift. But just like I say, uh, my, my wounds, uh, the blister on my hand and feet and, uh, the piercing on my back, uh, not the pier, the like physical pier, but the tumor where they removed the tumor on my back. And then with the diarrhea and bleeding all at the same time. So it's sort of like a water and blood. So these things, I contemplate the five wounds of Jesus. Now, I spent five years with the Dominicans. So uh, back in the medieval time, uh, people have a great devotion to, to meditate or contemplate on the five wounds of Jesus. And so here I am uh, sitting at church, <laughs> uh, even though I am in pain. But these pain, every time I'm in pain, I vision the passion or, or I, I put myself with the passion of Christ. And for that reason, it has a power to heal. Healing, not, not in terms of, of, uh, of like a miracle, right? Not like the, the Lord doesn't remove the, the cancer. But what the healing is that he gives me a different way of looking. And, and even though it's in the midst of my suffering, my pain, but then I, I, I feel like what an honor and what a great blessing for me to, to experience this pain and meditate on the five wounds of Jesus. So it's not just meditation, but live, but, but right in the middle of it. And, 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 and the healing here is peace. And so afterward, you know, I felt a, a, a great sense of peace. Um, and, and because of that, I can go on with my life joyfully and like normal. And even write a book and even go to different churches to give, to talk about grace in suffering. Well, God definitely is using you and uh, to communicate that. You know, lots of people write books about suffering and whatnot. And, and so to bring that out too, I think focusing on those wounds of Jesus, that's probably something I haven't seen in the literature all that often. And, and for you to 
be able to share that. And I, I'm sure that will become a source of inspiration to others who might identify a little bit with the suffering that they're experiencing. And maybe they'll focus on the wound in Jesus's hand or his side or his feet or his head or whatever. So um, yeah, quite profound there. So, so you wrote this book, uh, My Life of Grace. And I was wondering, you know, could you share the backstory but behind how this book came to be? Because my my reading on Facebook seemed to have indicated that Heidi Hess Saxon, uh, that she uh, really was the inspiration behind this. So so how did you meet her, and how did she encourage you to write this? <laughs> Actually, um, last year, when I dropped my son at Notre Dame, uh, his uh, first year in college there, and I saw this big building, Ave Maria Press, <laughs> Now, four years ago, when I received the, uh, when I, when the doctor said I had six months to live, and, um, I, I wrote, uh, uh I wrote my reflection because earlier I mentioned about the, the nature of my ministry. I have family and friends that want to know, oh, how is, uh, Peter's doing? And so, uh, instead of telling, telling them I'm doing fine, that sort of things, and, uh, I'm just, so I, I post all of my reflection on KarenBridge.org. And so I, over the four years or the last four years, I composed many of these reflections into, uh, you can call it a book. And so last year when I dropped my son at uh, college and then um, in my heart, I was just wishing that somebody or somehow who can read it and somehow get published. And so, Lord and behold, when I came back, just a friend of mine who introduced me to um, to Heidi. <laughs> and so, with that, with that, Heidi is the one who contacted me, and I contacted her, and next thing we know, we got a book. Yeah. And uh, one of the interesting things is I followed Heidi's journey through social media, and I myself have two books with Ave Maria Press and have known Heidi for a while. She's never been my uh, editor personally, but uh, I, I've always had someone else there. But uh, one of the things I noticed, too, is that you know your story touched her in such a profound way that she went to Carthage, Missouri. And she went to the special Marian days that is held down there in Carthage. Now, uh, when I was in the seminary, I went to seminary at Conception Seminary College in Conception, Missouri. And so there was this Vietnamese order. Um, we called them the CMCs. I, I forget their uh, regular normal, you know, what their order name is. But essentially, they were a Vietnamese community. They had a little house on campus. They went to college classes there at the seminary. And, and whatnot. And, but they were based out of Carthage. And so they would, um, so I, I guess I'm very somewhat familiar, but yet very unfamiliar. Like I know it exists, but I don't know what happens or what it all entails. So, so what is Marian days and how did that play into your own life and your own, uh, expression of spirituality, devotion, et cetera? Yes. Yeah, so uh, after the war in 1975, so uh, there, there, there's a lot of uh, Vietnamese try to escape uh, the new uh, government, the communists in Vietnam, and so this group, the congregations of uh, Mary, well, the old name is the called Mary Cosa Redemptrix. Uh, that's the CMC, the, the the religious order that you mentioned. 
And so back in 75, they built this small uh, congregation. So basically it's from Vietnam. So they moved from Vietnam to the cottage of Missouri. Now, uh, and then of course, uh, that was uh, 75. And then in the 80s, uh, refugee uh, uh, people like me um, so escaped Vietnam. And so all, and we live all over the United States. But this, this, this place in uh, the Marian day, that was, uh, 44 years ago when they decided that, hey, why don't we once a year, of course, the month of August and the month of October is, is dedication to Our Lady. And, uh, we have Our Lady of Lavan, Lavan, uh, that's how we say <laughs> L-A-V-A-N-G. So we call it Lavan. So, um, so this, uh, CMC religious order, want to organize a Marian Day and gather all Vietnamese throughout United States to come to this place on the weekend just to pray and be together uh, as a Vietnamese. And we, we sing, we pray, and we spend time together and get to know one another. And this is throughout United States. And so, um, but, but Marian Day is mainly focused on Our Lady of Lavan. And the story of Our Lady Lavan was um, after the uh, during the, the Reformation. So the missionary, mainly uh, the Jesuit, uh, came to Asia to introduce uh, Christianity uh, into Asia, and uh, particularly the uh, Redemptorist uh, Father Francis Xavier or Saint Francis Xavier. Uh, he has a great influence um, to Vietnam, even though he never made it to Vietnam. But uh, at that time, you know, uh, Vietnam, uh, we don't know uh, about Christ, uh, but through this missionary, we came to know. And of course, it fit right in. And so, but then the emperor, the king at that time, uh, see this, uh, she see the movement as a threat, and so persecute Christian. So a small group of villagers uh, ran into a jungle, uh, right in the, the, the central of Vietnam. Uh, near Da Nang, the central Vietnam. And, um, so they're hidden in a jungle. But then, of course, this is jungle. And so they got sick and all of that. And then the people came to this tree and, and, and they said they saw this lady, uh, told them that, hey, uh, just take this, uh, leaf and, and make into a tea and drink it. And, and you can heal. Uh, from all of these sickness that uh, been in the jungle. And so this group of villagers did. And so the tree uh, right by, uh, so they, they did that. And so um, they survived. And then a couple, uh, 50 something years later, they came back into the village and tell others. And um, so uh, so the, the, the legend, uh, not uh, the, the story, that's how the story goes, right? But then again, Vietnam, and then dealing with constant war and uh, the French came and uh, dominate country for nearly a uh, hundred years. And so we have to go another war with them, uh, uh, not with the French, but, you know, the later on in the. Um, and so anyway, so we have to constantly war. And so we never have uh, a place that that dedicates our visa bank. And so, um, so that's the, in a nutshell, that's the story of Our Lady Lavan and the Marian Day. 
And what impact has Our Lady of Levang has she had on you? And maybe as you experience your own suffering these last five years, has Our Lady of Levang given you any hope in the midst of that? So, back when we left, uh, after the war, that's a beautiful Vietnamese song uh, that describes about Mary. Uh, basically, the song goes, Mary, thy send Vietnam. So the, the, the lyric is about asking Our Lady to watch over Vietnam. Uh, just I just give you a background that the history of Vietnam is that we have to deal with like a, a thousand years with the Chinese and a hundred years with the French and then uh, the 10,000 days with the uh, the Cold War. The, uh, and so constantly bombarded with war. And so we, we have this song uh, singing to Our Lady. And it, it's this song that carried me through my journey that the time I spent in refugee camps and the time alone in America. And... Um, and another thing, too, is as a child with a disability, my mom particularly uh, paid very special extra care, if you will. And so the, the image of a mother is always very profound meaning to me. And then the song, uh, in many ways, it helped me um, to, to grow up in America. What is it like to be without my mom or my family, my parents, that sort of thing? So, so our ladies always, always, because of this particular song that I learned when I was a child, uh, it's carried me and through all of my trial and tribulation, pain and suffering, uh, this song is always coming back. Uh, it's uplifting and it, it, in many ways, it's, it's a source of grace, right? Because it, it helped me to carry me through uh, all of those years uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's almost like that little song to Our Lady of Levang, like a little lullaby, a little anthem for your life. Just, you know, it's a familiar tune and one that probably always brings back that comfort of Mary's prayers and intercessions. And as you were talking there, you were speaking about your childhood polio, your disability. And now here you are five years with this terminal thyroid cancer diagnosis. I guess, you know, as you wrote this book about suffering and whatnot, um, how was your experience of suffering as a child? Like, how did you, how did you accept it? Or what was your approach to it when you were young? Because I'm sure you probably looked at other people and said, you know, why is it that I'm different than them? So, so was there any spiritualization at that time? Or now as you've reached that point, uh, as you've written this book, as you reflect on the five wounds of Jesus, as you've come to understand suffering through the lens of your Catholic faith, I'm sure it's different now than then, but do, do you remember anything, I guess, of how you approached it as a child? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, first of all, from the book of uh, Ezekiel, right? And then the, the, I, I don't remember the exact verse, but it say, those your, those your parents abandoned you, but I will not, or say the Lord, something like that. Sure. And so for, for me, as, a, as I say, being a child with disability, my parents pay extra care, extra attention uh, 
to me. And so that's my earthly parent. God and God works the same way or even far more better. So when I grew up, uh, when I left home and grew up in refugee camps and the time in Texas, uh, most of my time I spent, uh, I spent most of my day at, at church, Our Lady of La Bang in Houston, Texas. And, um, uh, so the Lord always sent me with so many good and holy men and women to take care of me, uh, in place of my parents. So I grew up with, uh, with, with, with many, <laughs> with many people, uh, uh, serve as a great role model and they care for me just like my parents did. Um, yeah. And, and so uh, another thing uh, with a child, uh, being a child with disability, at very young age, I learned how to ask, right? Because I cannot depend on myself uh, if I have, if I cannot walk or, or lift things. And so I always have to ask, uh, depending on others. And I think in many ways, asking is also a form of humility. Asking not in a way of abusing or, or, or handle, you know, freebie, but, but there, there's, I can see that it takes some form of humility to ask. And so uh, if I can ask a human, then I can very easily ask God, or if I can, depending on human in order for my survival, then I, I too can de easily depend on God for my salvation. And so that, that there's the link that I learned from the very beginning uh, at my early age. So I think a lot of times in the spiritual life, we can talk about different schools that there are. So, you know, we talk about being in the school of Mary, especially when we pray the rosary. But I think, too, there's a school of suffering. And I guess what are the lessons you have learned in this school of suffering? Yes, uh, in the school of suffering, on my bed or on our bed of pain, we don't come to Jesus nor Our Lady. Rather, Jesus and Our Lady come to us on our bed of pain. And that's, that is the beautiful or the beginning of the school of suffering. So uh, outside of that, we're talking about like, uh, I am going here, I'm going there. It's us going or, or coming to certain place or certain church or come to God and pray. But in the school of suffering, it's basically talk about a person who's sick, you know, they don't have the help or energy to go anywhere other than just sit at home or in bed to rest. But that's where it's beautiful um, to see the school of suffering is that Jesus and Our Lady, and especially Our Lady of Sorrow, uh, come to us and to comfort us. And so I wrote a, a prayer uh, when I spent a month-long radiation in Houston, Texas. It's that um, where there is pain and suffering, there's God's grace. And where's the sorrow? There's consolation. And, and so the, the school of suffering is about allowing ourselves 
um, to allow to ourselves and let go of ourselves, uh, meaning uh, when we're healthy, we have our personal will, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. But when we're sick, well, even those I want to go out, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, I'm sorry, uh, I don't have the health. <laughs> and so the school of suffering is it, 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 just that. And I just be at home or be in the bed and then uh, meditate on the suffering Christ. And then uh, from then on, you know, the suffering Christ revealed to us and many, many wisdom. And uh, so the book, my book, is mainly about that, all of the things that we receive uh, in the school of suffering, and what is it like? What is it like to be? Um, or oh, Jesus comes and Our Lady to reveal the lesson, the wisdom, the grace, the consolation, uh, including hearing the voice of God uh, telling us that uh, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, those are some beautiful lessons, I think, uh, that can be learned and as you are learning and as you're teaching us. So so you've been a student in the School of Suffering, but now it's almost as if you've become a teacher in the School of Suffering for all of us. You just mentioned about your own childhood experience of suffering, and now here you are, you're a father, you have your own children. You mentioned dropping your child off at Notre Dame, one of them. And so um, I'm sure that they have some sort of experience of this as well. And, and uh, when they, pro- how, or how do they process your own story of suffering and seeing it and witnessing it? And um, what's their experience been like? Um, bittersweet. For, because the nature of my ministry, uh, my wife and I, we earlier I say my wife and I, we run uh, a medical clinic, um, not for profit. And so in terms of my medicine, uh, in terms of medical uh, treatment or experience, we, from the very, st- from the start, we lay everything on the table, including the time that uh, all my uh, treatments and appointments I allow my children to come with me. So it is not like hiding away. And um, even um, so when the oncologist told us, uh, my wife and my children, um, that uh, I only have six months to live. And so um, I guess through it all, I they, they see me, uh, they witness me to handle this that's a very, very uh, graceful. I mean, you know, there, there is nothing to it. <laughs> and so my son, for example, I asked, well, why, 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 why do people ask, where do I get all of this uh, wisdom, grace, and, and, and understanding, and strength, and faith, and that sort of thing. So I asked my son, why do people ask me that? And then my, my son, he answered very uh, simple. He said, well, maybe because you've been through a lot. And so this thing, just another thing that you have to deal with. So that's first. And then second, so uh, in a suffering, uh, again, the medieval, they talk about the long enmity, right? Long suffering. 
So at some point, and the reason that uh, for cancer, that people are frightened, uh, it's so scary because the the bell of death, right, constantly ringing to our, to our ears that, hey, you are going to die. So the fears of dying. And so my children, without a doubt, and me too, all of us, uh, the fear of death, uh, my departure from this life. And so I remember um, that I have a very difficult time to talk to my son uh, when I told them that uh, I supposed to have this this treatment, a uh, radioactive iodine that is supposed to, to go into my body and kill, get rid of all of my cancer, but somehow it didn't. And for that reason, I had to go through radiations and chemotherapy. But at the very beginning of my chemotherapy three years ago, I, I read about it. I heard people talk about it. And now it is my turn, um, to go through with it. And so I asked my son or, or preparing for them what makes to come that, Hey, I am, you know, for the last two years, I am dealing with this. And so now the cancer. Uh, decided to uh, it grow actually eventually at that time after the surgery there was only one spot uh, on my bones but then uh, two years later it started to spread multiple parts of my bones and so suddenly uh, death is very real and so um, I have uh, a lot of uh, difficult conversation with my son about dying but um for the last five years, uh, the quote from St. John of the Cross really helped me and, and put in a perspective about the school of suffering uh, or uh, because of my difficult issue dealing with, I talk about death with my children. I come to discover that the, the quote from St. John of the Cross really helped me in the way that he mentioned, we must die before we die. So when we die, we have nothing to die for. So the the, the beautiful gift about of, of suffering for me is that uh, preparing, uh, dying, even though I am still living, um, let go of everything, and and and, and it is just like the word of Jesus, right? Uh, whoever wants to hold on to him or her will lose it, but whoever loses it will gain or same thing with St. Paul talk about uh, living or dying is for the Lord and so it is in dying that I am living so it took me a long long time to be comfortable uh, about dying and I think for my children my son especially uh, the same thing uh, slowly but uh, I am preparing for them and for my family, that if the Lord call me home, uh, we should be ready. Now, I mentioned my son. I also have a daughter. Um, my daughters, on the other hand, she was the youngest. And um, because, uh, again, uh, my first two years, I have all my treatment in Texas. And so I have to manage who's going to pick them up and that sort of things and, and everything else running the clinic. And so it seemed like it, it, it may be, I don't, so right now I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a good relationship 
I, I cannot talk to my daughter like the way I talk to my son. Mm. Um, and when she grew up as a teenager, she was 12 when I uh, died with this uh, cancer. So she go through that teenager age. And then, of course, with the COVID hit all of us. And I did not, I felt that I wasn't there to help her to go through with all of these things. And so earlier, I say in terms of dealing with my children, it's a bittersweet. Um, it, it's so hard to say, to know, and what to do. Because I also realize in our medical uh, clinic, we do see a couple of our patients when the father suddenly, uh, the mom or the father suddenly die without without saying goodbye. It, it's also the children can suffer so much, a severe depression for many, many years uh, that they can never get hold, that they can never overcome the sudden death uh, of their parents. And so for me, looking at that, I try to prepare for my children. But it is these kind of things, you know, not everybody, uh, everybody uh, react differently. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, my children behave in in a very uh, different way, my son maturity he he can overcome this, uh, but I feel like my daughter on the other hand is not, and so that's also hurt me. Sure, now your children, your wife, have they read the book that you've written? No, they're they're not, and um. And actually, even for me, I, it, it's very painful to go back to read the experience. And so, uh, no, so my wife and my children, they have not. And, um, yeah. Okay. Because when you face, when you face death, you know, um, being, being sick is a very lonely, uh, and not just um, not just be, not just go to hospital, but you have to go to hospital thousand miles away. And when you sit in there alone, waiting for the doctor to see, and especially come to the cancer center, uh, you I realize that everyone here has cancer, and everyone. No, I, I, I very rare I see people go there by themselves, you know, with their spouse and, 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 and things like that. Because cancer is very personal. And yet, here I am, alone. But then again, you know, um, just like Jesus uh, going to the Calvary, he carried his cross by uh, himself. And um, even, um, and then... Same thing with the uh, Saint Teresa of Avila. She said that Jesus had many friends at the table, but few with him at the cross, on the cross. And so my journey alone and all of this, um, so it's about reflection. What is it like to be carried across by myself? But with, with Jesus, right? Meditation on the passion of Christ. I am not alone per se uh because of this situation my situation 
it make the journey or uh, make the, the cancer journey of, in a very profound way because I feel like Jesus and I, we are, we are one, you know, we are buddy. <laughs> um, um, and, and again, the nature of my life at 10, um, I spent uh, in refugee camp alone. And so now with cancer, it's just another thing that I have to do. And so Jesus is always there. But then again, God is, God is kind and merciful. He will not abandon me. And for that reason, I receive grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. And I have countless stories uh, that I share in the book. And what are some of those consolations and grace and, and mercy? And in many times, two or three times that I can think I'm supposed to die, but the Lord saved me uh, to let me live and now even have a book to talk about those experiences. Your family may not have read the book, but your book is now available from Ave Maria Press, and so so many people are going to read it. And uh, what is it that you hope that they'll take away from that book? Jesus always say, take courage, do not be afraid. And so the only message uh, that I hope when people read this is that when they receive something, right, either sickness, either a storm of their life, go through some difficulties that the reality of life throwing at them, but do not be afraid. And realize that when there is pain and suffering, there is grace. And where there is sorrow, there is God consolation. And, and just believe and trust. Because uh, as a Christian or as a Catholic, you know, we, we, we always want to know, uh, we, we profess our faith that, yeah, Jesus, I trust in you. And, 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 and everything that there is that we come to know about our Catholic faith. But how do you know those those belief or those words uh, has meaning? It has meaning when we go through difficulty, hardship, right? Either sickness or, or anything, and it is that to 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 test us or trial and tribulation that we come to know that yeah, God is real. God is there to help me. So I ought not to be afraid. And I also learned in the school of suffering is that the greatest temptation, uh, when we dealing with sickness is that we, we, the devil want us to fall into despair. That there's no hope. There is no God. But no, it, it's quite the opposite. Uh, we ought to be graceful that all these tests Go tested by fire in the book of Sirach. Talk about that. Uh, go test by fire. And so when, when dealing with sickness or when the people reading my book and see that I, I, I'm just like any sinner that I have my weakness. I have my sin. I have my, my pain. I have my suffering. But in all, God's grace is there. Because I allow, I have the freedom. God gives me the freedom. I can be bitter 
or I can be better. And I have the ability to adopt, to adjust. Uh, I also talk about the ABC method. The ABC method uh, dealing with our sickness is that the ability to adopt and adjust to any situation that God's, uh, that, that life throwing at us because of God's grace. And then we, when the situation comes, we can be a bit better or better. And then the C is we can react as a childish or childlike. A childish is like when I have cancer, we can scream, Oh God, why are you doing this to me? You know, that's kind of childish or stay calm, take courage and, and, and come and ask for God. That's childlike. And so for that reason, you know, the, the message of this book is, is where there's pain and suffering, there's God's grace. So do not be afraid. Take courage. <laughs> don't get panicked. Don't, don't curse at God. Don't walk away from God. Or worse, don't fall into despair. And because when we get into despair, we cannot focus. We cannot pray. Just like St. Peter. He can walk on the water, but the moment he takes his eye off from the Lord, he sinks. And same thing with sickness. When we, when we, when we bitter, when we just focus, when we lost hope, that's when we sink. But, but, but give it some time. Be very patient. And the gift of suffering is also the great gift of humility. And so those are some of the messages. Um, do not fall into despair, but take courage. If people want to get a copy of your book, My Life of Grace, How I Found Hope and Purpose in Suffering, available from Ave Maria Press, what are the ways you would recommend them to get a copy? So um, they can go to um, AveMariaPress.com and then um, just type in the title, um, My Life of Grace, and it should pop up. And um, it will be available on Amazon as well. And uh, the new book release is on um, September 22nd. But uh, right now, if they go onto AveMariaPress.com, they can pre-order. Yeah, I think this is a, a beautiful book in which you share your own experiences throughout life. And uh, we're going to learn a lot from you. So thank you for taking the time to share uh, your story, both in written form and also today with the How They Love Mary podcast audience. And uh, I'll be sure to link all of those uh, links, especially uh, to the book, in the show notes today so that people can more easily find it. So so thanks so much, Peter Graceman Lee, for joining me today to talk about your book. Thank you so much, Father uh, Edward, and thank you for giving me this golden opportunity to share with others that what the Lord has done for me in my time of sickness.